Hello. Hello. Uh, my name is Gareth. I'm James. And we sometimes do a very pretentious podcast called Reading Plays, mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. about theatre. We haven't done it for a while because, mm-hmm. uh, well, for various reasons, such as laziness, um, lack of preparedness, busyness. Lack of response, because we deserve so many in terms of an audience yeah. and got so little. You know? and, it, and in my case, uh, cognitive impairment. Yeah, yeah. Your continuous cognitive impairment. I've, I, I'm a brain wrong. I believe <laughs> the technical term. Here we are today. To do something else. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do a new podcast. Uh-huh. We're going to try and do a new podcast. Which you told me nothing about. I have not told James what this podcast is. Which I don't like at all. <laughs> Being not prepared is awful. Now, he does sound like he's lying, but that's just, just how he sounds all the time. Yeah, I do sound like I'm always lying. <laughs> right, no, but seriously though, what is this concept thing that you've been trying to sell? Okay, so this is a new show, and I, I did deliberately didn't tell you anything about it so that it would be fresh, like a, a ripe and delicious bottomed no, no, apple no. scary not ready for it i mean that's not how people work anymore everyone should be ready for everything okay you should know this by now although how else do you sound like you know things when you can't prepare we're wearing i should say we're wearing these uh oh. lavalier microphones which uh, which i bought for, for proper cheap on tinternet um, is that better yeah i think that's a bit better <laughs> don't hold it up like it okay. my shirt mic okay, okay there we go now now uh just talk normally i'm talking normally Okay, yeah, yeah, you'll be, you'll be, yeah, you'll be yeah, good. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, so, yeah, so basically, I had this idea. It's a really crazy idea, perhaps a stupid idea, but I thought it would bring us together to create something new. And the idea is basically that we write a film on the podcast. Mm. And I thought we could call the podcast, Let's Write a Film. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Terrible thing to do. I mean, by the way, to throw anyone into that situation, just to let you know, um, how at all does that work? Really simple. We come up with a premise. Uh-huh. We come up with a, a genre, some characters, yeah. some 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 incidents, some things that happen, and then we got all those things. We start pumping out some dialogue, and yeah. pretty soon we've got a feature film playing in every uh, cinema in the world. Okay, fantastic. Well, certainly the first set of things you mentioned are what normal people unrecorded would do to make a movie. Yeah. Uh, over time, but seeing as we're on this, I don't know. You're probably sending this to an hour-long podcast. Seventeen and a half uh, <laughs> seconds long. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Opportunity lost. Uh, okay. we'll, see, we'll, see. we'll see how long it lasts. Okay, let's see how long this goes on for. Right, so uh, do you have anything in mind to get this going? No, no, because I thought that would be cheating. I know uh-huh. you you have got, I should say, what, what I mean, what, 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 <laughs> 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 okay, get me a camel tea. <laughs> I should say what we do. Um, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a writer mostly of uh, radio drama. And I make some documentaries. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're developing your first play. You, yes, my first play. You've, you've got on. it finished, and you're yeah, I sent it, it off, and hoping it's going to get produced. And by you're writing else. a second play. I'm writing a second awful play. Yeah, yeah. And we have. Don't some... already start with awful. Well, we have a history of doing some podcast stuff as well. We have. Right? We've done lots of podcasts. We used to do a video game one mm-hmm. um, called Threat Detection, and then we do the play one occasionally. And uh, yeah, so we're both sort of early career writers yeah let's say even I mean, though I'm a man in his mid to late 30s <laughs> yeah. you're a, a, a beauteous child yeah <laughs> quickly growing haggard but yeah 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 um, so so yeah so I thought this would be a good way to because I know I haven't actually I'm working on a new play as well and I haven't actually um, I haven't written anything for ages in it because I'm, I'm rehearsing one play and I'm getting a, a prep in a, a short film but those things sound really creative and arty, but actually they're not. They're very technical things yeah. that take a lot of time and energy. And I'm kind of doing a college course and stuff as well. So so really, I just noticed there's a huge hole behind my socket on the wall. 
this house is falling apart. Yeah, anyway, fantastic. Sorry. Yeah, uh, sorry. No, no, no. It's just uh, what do they call that again? Uh, it's it's sinking in. What's uh, wall the rats. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they call it that. Do they? Yeah. It's so, settling. So I thought, yeah, settling. This two hundred year old house is finally found. It's, it's finally settling. That's Irish workmanship. Like an Indian burial ground underneath. <laughs> it's going to consume us while we record the podcast. <laughs> And rats. Oh, I hate rats. Oh. You don't have rats, dude. Don't. He's panicking about rats on a podcast. He's launched on me. I don't. Just relax. I'm in. A, I'm in. A, I'm in a state. The, the, the light went out in the bathroom earlier. I know. I had to do a poo in the darkness. <laughs> it made me funny. <laughs> it made me go funny. No man should have to do a poo no in the one. darkness. Yeah, this no. is not the old west. You know, I was talking to my landlady the other night. Aside. Yeah. Aside. Uh-huh. Aside. 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 <laughs> the jingle. Um. And and she is. She's so. She lives upstairs. Yeah. She's so old. Yeah. In a, in a night, she's lovely. In a nice. That she remembers. She was she was fourteen when electricity came to, to Ireland. To, well, not to Ireland, but to her town to in her rural town. Ireland. Yeah. In rural Ireland in 1968. <laughs> her, it wasn't 1968. It was 1991. Yeah. Her, her dad, uh, her dad died before they got electricity. He was like campaigning for it, and then he died. Oh, wow. Thunderbolt. No. <laughs> that would be too, that'd be too be Greek. <laughs> That's a story. There's our movie. Hey. Oh, God. The, please, let's not write a movie about the bringing the electricity, beginning to of electricity to Ireland. The beginning of electricity to Ireland. Because, you know, immediately going to have oh, stupid get so divine much references. Funding. Yeah, it completely would. And you know what they do as well? Okay, well, that, would yeah, we'll write that in as a potential setting. Yeah, the worst fabulous ever. And, and the, the, the deep theme the underlying all of it, which would be completely obvious to everyone, would be the references to divine presences and calling to old gods, but man taking over in enlightenment. This is great. It's calling to old gods. Awful. It would be this terrible. Listener, that's kiss why. Kiss the Blarney Stone. James, oh, look at this. Kiss the Blarney Stone. But they'll have some. You're you're the perfect person for this because you're full of this litany of crazily erudite uh, semiotics and symbols and tropes and ladies and gentlemen and thumbs. all kinds of people let me just say that that's his nice way of telling me that I'm the ideas guy in the group mm. I'll be the person in a corporate boardroom who's the ideas person who has no pen. execution skills you've got ideas I've got a pen <laughs> let's go and a recorder <laughs> I've got a bunch of cheap labourers behind me let's do it <laughs> Um, cool. Okay, that's that's an interesting one. Okay, um, so what would you say? I know this is a general question. Okay, what 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 are your favorite movies of the last uh, of the last year? Oh, that's really difficult because I haven't actually watched that many movies this year. So oh, they don't be they don't be new movies. Just anything you watch on Netflix or or um, oh god, I'm blanking stream on streamtube dot com. Streamtubing. <laughs> Have you watched my movie tube? <laughs> um, uh, I saw a very odd, I don't know if it was a Norwegian movie, it's a silent movie about the uh, witchcraft and its history, made in like 1930, can't remember its name anymore. Okay. Oh, oh, I know the one. Yeah, I sent it to you, I think. Oh, yeah, I think Roger Gregg recommended that silent witchcraft movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's no good. Um, yeah, not completely useless, <laughs> not going to get made. Um, um, nothing stuck out to you in the last year, or two, or five uh, I saw, was it The Other Guys? Is that what it's called? The Nice Guys. The Nice Guys. Yeah. Is that good? Uh, no, it was good for this year. Um, I was, I'm being told by everyone around me that I'm supposed to like it okay. I'm having a hard time liking it it looks very unlikable from no, the trailer it's, that's, you're wrong you see, you should, it's only your quality of not being likable but you know generally it's very likable in terms of there's a likable fun character and a fun little sort of black comedy adventure so a pair of dicks then. Yeah, yeah but, but the problem with it is that on a movie level what it could have done could be far more profound but it's you know shot very well it's quite funny um, yeah to think. well so were the rebels in 1916 <laughs> Okay. Boom. <laughs> wow, good year to bring that up. Um, okay, let me think. Let me think. Good movie that I saw in the last year. Uh, we saw, although it's technically rewatching, Dancing in the Dark. Oh, Dancer in the Dark. Dancer in the Dark, of course. The, sorry, yeah. the York. Lars uh, von Trier. Lars von Trier. That is a, that's a good example. Incredible film. What was so great about that movie? 
Okay, so even though I think that uh, it's positioning in the kind of industrial 1950s of America, where they're still becoming huge on manufacturing and, and how it was able to take in all these new workers, so the gates opened up again, you have migration, hence Bjork's main, who's the main character in this film, being able to come over. Well, she's from an her. actress who played the main character. The main character yeah. was, no, was not no, Bjork. Let me, let me make it that very would clear. have been completely it ridiculous. Was, it was Bjork. Let's be fair here. She didn't even need a name. Here is a film set in the industrial heartland of America, and here's Bjork to play a concert. Yeah, basically, in this. one long music video. That's uh, a little harsh. She was she was beautifully mean, beautifully portrayed a blinding woman. A harsh way. Is that the term for someone going blind to blinding? No, no. A blinder. A blinder. <laughs> she played a blinder. Oh, blinding. <laughs> no, I, I, not being critical. I loved that she was just sort of still herself. I think that was fantastic. It was almost character acting. That is so harsh. I think I she think was, was beautiful. I thought it. she defined a character which is quite different from herself. Uh, Look, this is getting said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. What was it that appealed to you about that film that made it distinct? The verite feel mm, thing, because okay. you know it was a dogma movie. Dogma movie, uh, yeah. very because true and everything else, and and it's it was very rigorous about sticking to that, but sticky, sticky, <laughs> and while that usually would be a problem for a lot of people in terms of entertaining watching, and um, when the musical scenes did kick in, but they stuck to using their video based, mm, mm-hmm. it was incredible. It so made, if you haven't seen the movie, it's yeah. it's all done in this kind of almost like super eight, like a cheap camcorder mm-hmm. footage, but all all handheld with a few exceptions. Yeah. And just kind of very, very almost like amateurish. And the, uh, yeah, it's very, you said verite, it's, it's, the acting is super realistic. Yeah. And a lot of it's very improvised, or at least it seems improvised. And improv- I think some parts would have to be a little bit more tightly scripted, but, but the sense you get from it is completely real people, right? Uh, down to the point where a normal watcher could possibly be for a moment bored, but it knows how to keep moving scene to scene to scene, even if it's about the repetitive daily activities. We don't moment. care about boring normal people. <laughs> the norms. We're, we're here for the real people, the intellectuals, James. There is no normal person anymore. It's a creation of advertising. But it was certainly, um, for me, kind of something that you took a moment to get acquainted with. Even though I've seen dogma movies before, it was that much more dedicated to its very taste style mm-hmm. that it almost, not lost me, but I had to sit and think about it. But once you commit to those characters, the payoff is that much more profound. The feelings you're able to... I mean, it creates emotional responses that usually a lot of movies try to do with music and heartfelt appeals that this could do very naturally. The way Verite was created to do, mm, but mm. never could quite achieve, but it's Trier. And and, he's amazing. And what I love about his movies is that exactly that thing. He combines that like naturalism mm-hmm. with a sort of a magical realism as well. Yeah. Um, so, in, I mean, in that movie, it's as simple as they spring into song in a classic musical way, yeah. but in a movie that's otherwise like super real, mm-hmm. which you haven't seen before. Or in some of his other movies, you have these very naturalistic scenes like a wedding or a family dinner, an argument or something, and then something literally magical will happen, a magical creature will speak or appear or something appears in the sky or someone has a vision and it's suddenly beautiful but because you've had this context of it being super realistic Mm -hmm. it becomes you're focused on it in a way that you don't immediately reject it your cynicism as a movie watcher it doesn't kick in and you're sort of overwhelmed by the I think I think Werner Herzog does a similar thing yeah it's a very documentary feel and then there's something out of out of place some Mm -hmm. thing that he's at something's made up he's got someone to say a line or he's got an invisible bear (laughs) <laughs> or he's got he's got a fake uh, monk's fake texting that he's prearranged. Yeah. But because your guard is down, mm-hmm. it sort of gets you. So that's that's something to take from that. Okay, guard guard down. Guard down surrealism. Guard um, down realist surrealism. Yeah, and that realist surrealism is a huge part of what's important about what Trevor's doing with with uh, Dancer in the Dark. And what people need to understand is, I mean, look, we all look. Well, you people, need to understand. You need to understand. Birdman was great. We all like Bird- well, mm. I don't know if Birdman. Okay. Birdman was very good. But the thing about Birdman that I had a problem with was that the, the way in which they transitioned into the magically realist moments, the lyrical dancing scenes that were somewhat in the imagination of, of Keaton, not quite, right? 
is that it had to be a transition. Do you understand what I'm saying? It had to be, look at the wall, blank, cut left. Or let's use a fizzle, no, they didn't do out of Premiere Pro Amateur, let's do a fizzle effect for the dream. But it was almost on that level of, of old movie, you know, just coming into the late silent era, let's use a very particular transition effects of bubble and fade to give the viewer some sort of awareness that they're moving into surrealism. But Dancer in the Dark did not do that. Mm -hmm. The only thing that cued those fantastic sequences of, of you know, operatic or time singer dancing moments was that a sound, which mm. was already there and very present, mm -hmm. a very diegetic, very real sound, would slowly transition into sort of non-diegetic, or actually would stay ultimately diegetic and that it would still be part of the environment. But the, our main character would be able to take it and put it as part of a medley of other sounds. So it was almost like the, the music was coming naturally out of the world. Yeah. Or the, the character's perception of the world. And the, the classic rule in musicals is that you break into song as though you would naturally when you reach the peak of emotion. Yeah. So they did the same thing. The emotion builds through the sound and then into song. Yeah. And, and that ability to show the huge subjective experience of a human being through real life materialistic moments uh, and then but how quickly we can transform it into our surreality. That, that, that kind of subverse is fantastic. It's beautiful. And it didn't need that. Let's stop. And here's the transition. There was no transition. There was no, even though Birdman, much like The Ark and other great movies that are constantly being tracked as like one long shot, does, it's fa they're faking it, is meant to make you feel like you're just folding into the next scene. It actually doesn't. There's a lot of harsh mm -hmm. stopping. Uh, and you can feel it if you're even a normal audience. You just watch it. You feel it. Well, you know, Hitchcock said that rope was a failed experiment. Yeah. yeah. After all that, trying to make something which was all going uh, in one in one seeming take, mm -hmm. he sat down. And first of all, it was a box office failure, but also mm -hmm. he just realized it's not a very good film because it's basically just a play. It's a, it's a one room play. Yeah, absolutely. It's and a, maybe it's with, a with Birdman, there's a reason kinda. to do that because it's about the making of a story and stuff. But yeah. anyway, 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 yeah, yeah. anyway, back to our so movie. Is that the kind of film that you would want to make? Something? I think that we could take some elements of that, mm. update them in terms of okay, so what people expect today. So, so Dancer in the Dark in the future. No, what I mean by update is, because Dancer in the Dark was what, 1999, 2000, 2001, I think yeah. it's um, is that we could take them, extrapolate those elements of verite, but apply it very much to either modern times and, and uh, including media in, in the way in which a lot of television shows today, even though you look at the Sherlock Holmes stuff and stuff that Stephen Moffat hmm. likes to do, is they always include media. They're like, how would the social media respond to this? How do people use their phones and quickly update themselves and film things? New media could be used okay. as part of the verite effect. So if we're talking verite, that, that, that makes me think of mumblecore movies. Yeah. Well, I like, I look good. We both love old good mumblecore. We've all seen a lot of Oh, uh, the classic. The classic, classic mumblecore. Mumble early 2000s. And something. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean that... Um, You've seen how badly people can watch Mumblecore. I, I think the problem with those movies, the later ones, is that in the attempt to professionalise them, especially like the Duplass brothers would be the, the people that broke out. I think it was a comedy, but that wasn't really Mumblecore, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of different. Yeah. But, yeah, but they, they, they sort of lost what made them so interesting, which is exactly what you're talking about. Like people using social media, mm -hmm. moments of bo boredom, but they're not really boredom. They're, and uh, the quirkiness of life, it all kind of gets washed away and it just becomes another parallel drama mm -hmm. if, if it's too perfect, if it's too worked on, if it's too earnest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't think any fear of that for a movie we'd make. No, not at all. No technical really, skills or abilities. Zero. <laughs> so. We would just reference certain famous directors <laughs> as if we were doing that as a style, but really we'd just be botching it. I'm trying to think who's that guy everyone loves, famous American director who... Tell me who's that. No. <laughs> Very good, yeah. Steve Buscemi. Who shot these... Hey, he was not bad. Who shot large settings and tended to always have lots of people in the room doing big, different... Big things. Steve. Big Steve. Yes, big Steve. Steven Spielberg. Steve. Oh, big old Steve. He does great crowd scenes. Oh, I'm going to write that down. Okay. Crowd S scenes. Steven Spielberg's crowd scenes. Because there's something about the way he and uh, Woody Allen, mm -hmm. who doesn't get enough credit for this, um, they both do this thing where people will be having like a family breakfast or a dinner or whatever it is and everyone's talking at the same time mm -hmm. 
and yet it's coherent and it's naturalistic and doesn't at all feel like a drama it really feels like the energy of a family home or a group discussion like the the, the debate about whether they should get a shark hunter in or what they should do in yeah in yeah, yeah Jaws. absolutely it wasn't like we're gonna get a shark hunter and then it was like <laughs> god gives a speech and it's a soliloquy pull in on his face none of that it's it was the 70s inspired because it did yeah. come from that era let's sit the camera let them do the work we'll just give a little bit of shots here and there to establish the kind of psychology of how they're feeling but that's it that whole scene was actually quite a long shot in a big hall but that kind of group naturalism is so hard to do i, yeah, I really yeah. do like it though um I'm i mean gonna... you're relying a little bit as well on that whole um cocktail party effect thing as well you have to draw in the sound at certain points and but yeah no people have not shot for that in a long time so it sounds like we're edging towards kind of something naturalistic mm-hmm. what about genre um mm, what, what black comedy Black I want to go back to black comedy. So genres are hard to pick out okay. to pick to do a whole movie under because I, I find it easy and I'm sure you have to actually write a thing and then realise very quickly that what the genre is. Right, right. As you're so creating you think it. it should it should come naturally out of what it is. Yeah, but we're not writing here, so you might as well pick the genre now. <laughs> yeah. Um black comedy. Black we were, comedy. We were okay. both talking about our love of the movie Election recently. Oh god, that's a great movie. And it's completely underrated and, and actually was mischaracterized as not a black comedy for quite a long time by a lot of people. Not super realist, but um, I don't know. There's so many great things about that movie. I guess it just it's it, it's darkness and it's honesty and it's darkness are the best part. It never backs away from the consequences of its characters' actions yeah. and the way in which they make them look awful. Um, and I think that's because when I when you say black comedy, I don't think of things like that. I think of more trite kind of stuff. No, I don't think it's trite. I think a black comedy is something that you know gives a lot of uh, hugely character focused and allows us to seal the lies, sort of see the lies and unveiled moments that usually would have to either be established later or drawn a lot of attention to in other shows. I mean, a uh, big show that came out obviously a long time or relatively recently was Breaking Bad, and even that show, as much people loved it, I thought it did a terrible job at demonstrating lying. And lying is actually a hugely important theme to do with your characters when you're that focused on only four or five people. Because mm. Breaking Bad is barely three people you're looking at ultimately. What I'm trying to say is that our, a black comedy that we'd be doing that we need to look at in this movie is uh, taking a bit from how even David Chase, not from Northern Exposure, but from his Sopranos time and other great movies that, that kind of looked at this, even Pulp Fiction to a little extent, which is lying. How it addresses okay. like the secrets that people carry and how important that is to the, yes. the, uh, the hierarchy that they're in. Well, that brings me to a theme that like I really want to address in, in making films and stuff myself. Um, and this is a perfect time to do it, which is... <sighs> To really get at how people behave for real, for real, for real, for everybody, real, for real. everybody says really? that, right? But yeah. they don't really do it. And and I think dishonesty, especially in relationships, and not like some kind of Machiavellian manipulation, but casual dishonesty, casual infidelity, casual cruelty. Those things are not really depicted on screen the way they occur in life. I I think. Yeah, you're right. They're, they're not right at all. But I just want to quickly say one more time, everyone should rewatch The Sopranos because I think they missed it. Um, the way in which it depicts lying is fantastic. You, Steve, you missed you it. You missed it, Steve. Go yeah, watch it, bastard. Steve. Yeah, it, it just... I was. It, it hurts, actually, sometimes to watch an episode and care about the characters and see how much they're lying because there's three levels of lying it does. Like, it would... For any person's life that you examine under like great old cheevers like texts or something like that, which is three stages of lying. There's the first top layer, which is, oh, I'm lying on behalf of my friend because he's in the family. Like even two rivaling bosses, when they're out in, a, out in a golf course and one of them, Tony, collapses. The other boss, who could at that moment embarrass him because he's around the public, goes, oh, no, it's, this, it's the changing weather conditions. It's bullshit. And he picks him up and he lies for him, even though he knows he's fainting for another reason. Right. There's a second layer of lies, which is where they lie to each other for specific games. Right. Where one character will say to another, like, oh, no, she didn't sleep with me. or I didn't do anything bad there because I'm trying to keep you in your place to make sure I keep my position of power then there's a third kind of lies which is where the dreams come in where the, the, their own egos cannot accept certain truths of themselves so it's the lying to themselves and the Sopranos beautifully particularly later on 
demonstrates how people have to even lie to themselves. One of the most important lies to kind of capture, I think, if you're doing a character study, is the lie that the person has to keep telling themselves. And that's one thing that Sopranos does. Yeah, I just, I'm surprised that no one ever really brought up too much an analysis of it. If you look at Tony and how he goes to therapy, he even lies to his therapist, because mm -hmm. that should be his mm -hmm. major point of, of focalizing uh, the monologue of it. You know. But he very quickly eroticizes her yeah. and then builds up this front so as to try to seduce her. Seduce her and constantly win her over. And then even later on, there's a brilliant moment where he's talking about getting back with his wife. And you know that he's had a dream and has some unconscious awareness that his wife was being you know, betraying him or at least sexually having an affair with someone else. But when it finally comes to the moment of saying that to the therapist, he goes, when we had sex again, she, you know, she, she was so dying for it because I'm the only man she's ever been with. And he knows that it isn't true, but he couldn't accept that. Tony's ego. Did she have sex with the priest? I thought no, they, no, they she's did not no. with the priest. No. Oh, someone else. Yeah, yeah, it was the teacher. But, he, but Tony's ego can't accept that. He couldn't actually say that to himself. Doesn't she leave him for a while though? Yeah, that's where it happened. But he believed that she wasn't doing anything else. Okay. Sorry, this is tangential. Yeah. Okay, this is good though. Yeah. This is good. Lie. So we, we have a genre, we have a, a theme. But we, we need um, uh, a premise. And I guess it should be lie-based, if that's what we're talking about, right? It should be something to do with someone gets themselves into a lie. Mm -hmm. And then, so we got immediately, we're, we're in a tragedy. Yeah. They're, 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 they make the mistake of lying because they feel like they have to for whatever reason. And then what unfolds is both humorous. Mm -hmm. Ha ha. Oh, <laughs> I'm having a fun time. <laughs> what was that about? I don't <laughs> know. Um, and... Uh, and yeah, and, and and real, and real. So, yeah. so uh, let's 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 spitball ideas for that. Okay. So, mm -hmm. what is um, a lie that you would? I suppose it's it's going to be initially a small thing, then magnifies. So, a, a lie that's the kind of thing that you say to someone you don't know very well. So, mm -hmm. in a new workplace or in a new, new uh, in a new relationship. Yeah. And it's going to be something about yourself because those are the kind of things that that you can't hide and that come out eventually. So, someone lying in one of those situations, which then. And the classic setup is, they, oh, they lie about their partner and then they have to get a fake partner, but that's trite and been done. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. you know, so let's not do that. But yeah, some, no, no, something no. along those lines. Okay. Maybe someone in a new, gets a new girlfriend, lies about their job, or they start a new job and they lie about their qualifications or something like that. I know those are, okay, nothing's original, but. No, no, we don't have to uh, forget about originality anyway. We've had this discussion too often about what is original, what isn't. We're never going to get anywhere there. I do like the idea of fronting about a job, you know, like. I think. Yeah. Just to work with that, though, I think one of the best things, and not to go on to Antonio Marioni, not to get his name wrong, but looking back at the old noir movies and about mm -hmm. how much of those were about, uh, you know, a normal middle-aged or middle-class man getting caught into these frenetic experiences of lies that climb on top of other lies. One thing they always did was they resolved the plot at the end by him somehow escaping it or winning or maybe being trapped in it a little bit cynically. But I think what plays have mm -hmm. tried to do and what should be explored more is how about a lie? Yeah, he gets trapped in it. Yeah, we have fun with him and we feel bad for him. But how about a lie that ultimately he wins from? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Where at the end of the movie he's rewarded for the lie. And I think there ha you have to have a double fakie. So yeah. there has to be a revelation at which point he loses mm -hmm. and then somehow the lie doubles down yeah. and actually he succeeds with it. Because in real life, if you if the lie is revealed, it isn't all just like, you know, tied up in a neat bow. No, no, it's all shat and ruined. Yeah, completely. Because, <laughs> so. I mean, whole systems can be built on top of a lie. I mean, you look at, uh, not that The Wire did it as well as The Sopranos, I and mean, The Wire is a better show in other ways, but in The Wire, the fifth season, which wasn't its strongest season, the whole thing was they built a lie around a serial killer uh, of homeless people that mm. actually was created by McNulty, and he thought it would be a small lie, but it completely mounted up to being so ridiculous that the mayor pretty much put his campaign on the idea that he was saving homeless people from a serial killer that wasn't real. And when he found out it was a lie, he couldn't actually bear to break 
this truth at this point because he'd funded the police and don't spend too much money over it. So they all, it was from the top to the bottom, they all had to contain the lie. So every part of the institution now was, was kind of bound by it. So that kind of thing is great. But I think what we should do is look more to the individual because the individual yeah, has to be yeah, reflection yeah. of every other person. And that individual, usually maybe a man or a woman or whoever, but probably a man, <laughs> how he's ultimately rewarded by that lie. Mm. He doesn't want to be. And it, it should be a lot of it chasing the lie and trying to double back on the lie. But at the end, I love the idea that ultimately you get rewarded by it. Because I think what that's really saying is the thing that we've known a lot about, not just the corporate world or what, how we feel about major jobs today, is that often lies are rewarded. Mm. Being a liar is something you're rewarded for. It, actually, you might even say that we're being societally trained to lie. But I think it's too easy if it's like he gets a job and he's lying no, about. No, of course You not. know, yeah, like yeah. he's lying about his degree and yeah, like that's course, just kind of. It's not the Apprentice. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we need something more, not not original, but something more more meaty than that. Mm-hmm. So, like, okay, what do people? What do people? Why do people lie? First of all, I guess they they lie to get something, or yeah. they lie to to hide something they're ashamed of. Yeah. I think the second one is probably stronger as a yes, and it's more interesting. So, what what would you be ashamed of? Um, shame, poverty, um, yeah. humiliation. Or to picaresque novel, lying his way to the top. <laughs> okay, right. So, um, yeah, that, humiliation, uh, poverty, a shameful past, failure, uh, shame, perhaps yeah. a transgression. Mm. Of the sort we were recently talking about with Black Mirror. All right, he's a nonce. He's, exactly, he's a nonce. <laughs> Every yeah. Black Mirror episode begins with a nonce. <laughs> it's a nonce, ends a nonce, starts That's a That's a weird thing, isn't it? How many yeah. episodes of Black Mirror are about a pedo? About nonces, yeah, yeah. They're always pedos. Mm. Some sexual... Suspicious. Every... No, don't you dare. <laughs> They're not all written by Charlie Brooker, you know. All the ones about pedophiles, though. <laughs> you just don't like him. I mean, I don't like, I'd, I'd like him, but not for the same reasons that most people do. Um, yeah. Well, listen, I met him in Laos, and he was <laughs> up to his goose. <laughs> <laughs> Laos is awful for that. Back to Thailand. Um, yeah, right. So you're right, and that we we should focus on an on an individual, and it should be a mixture of a shame-based lie or some lie that he covers yeah. up with. Oh, that's, but what that's I like juicy. is, oh, this is already what juicy. I like is that we could still keep it that it's a nice person. It's like, the transition of obviousness is obviously from good to bad, right? Mm. But I like the idea of forget good to bad. Truthful person, maybe with one lie, becomes incredibly good liar. I do. I think though. I don't think there's anything wrong with um, good, good to bad in the sense that good can be portrayed as just kind of go along to get along mm-hmm. and bad can be portrayed as effective but awful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's uh, something very true about that. That's so scary, but good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's let's go with that for now. Yeah. So so what like what is our lie? What is our oop? There we go. <laughs> You're fine. Yeah. Um, what what is our shameful thing? What is our core thing? So Who are you I, really asking? <laughs> are we are we are we going are we going to go with the work thing or is it a different situation? No, the the work thing is just an example. I just feel it, it, I only have a kind of a rough image okay. in my head, and I just always love the idea. And there's some we've gone through some plays that did the same thing, that even though this character should be fated to doom for such horrible lying, he of his own surprise gets rewarded. Okay, only because that to me reflects a big truth about society that I always want not society but like today's variation of how the world rewards any individual. Okay, so what if his past is like something that, I don't want to be pretentious here, but is a little bit of social commentary, like Mm -hmm. in the sense that let's say he, let's say if he said it in America, he was, he was in prison for something stupid, like a, like debt, Mm -hmm. like a stupid kind of debt. Yeah. And that's the humiliation or something like that. Like a pathetic lie. That he buries, but then creates a series of other. Yeah, lies but it's a it's it. a really big thing because if yeah. if you were a prisoner at some point, I mean, you've you've shot your load in terms of in America, social acceptance, yeah. right? You're you're gone. You can't vote. You can't work. Mm-hmm. You can't. But then that's a bit too noble. Then yeah, yeah. to lie about that. A noble yeah. prisoner. Um, yeah. 
what if it does it have to be something shameful what if it's that his particular ego and his you know no, I want it to be shameful okay. I want it to be shameful what yeah, if he thinks it's shameful and we keep it a secret but it's because, I just think it's shameful. juicier I think okay. it's juicier and then you've got the whole people can hold it over him and stuff like that and do we have to tell the audience what it is or can it just be that we know at some point that he's hiding something that begins I the think lies. you have to tell them something so like if he went to prison you don't say what he went to prison for or if he um if he killed someone, you have to say who it was. But, you, you but have a lot of scenes you see him glaring at women, so what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean, guys? He's already become yeah. a monster. Yeah. <laughs> but I love it, because what if he's just glaring at girls because he likes girls? What does that mean, you know? What are you talking about? I just like that. No, but I like the idea in the movies that that happens, where you leave, like, what is his past? He's something up with this guy. He's looking at a girl. He could just be looking at women. But we're, because we're showing it, maybe it means something. No, I'm playing around with it too much. But yeah. Okay, um, well, let's, let's rather than stressing about I think we'll come up with that anyway. Yeah. Who does he lie to? Do you, do, is this something that happens in a social situation with with a with a party or a girl or, or a friend or is it something that happens in work and and why what's the more interesting one to go with hmm. i don't know I, a lot of i mean ever since a lot of shows today even mr robot try and focus on the workplace mm-hmm. hero the workplace hidden man the new anti-hero is the guy at the work i like the idea of this kind of middle management-y corporate guys decent amount of money but we, you know, he could very quickly montage his life at the start to show the silence and cold and boredom of it. And then he's brought into the office, he's brought into some special meeting with his boss. And it just starts there with some thing they, they are asking about his past, you know, whether it be a criminal thing or his exams or something. And it starts off like that simple and he just lies about it, you know. But I think he should, I think he should offer the lie though. I don't think they should question him. I think he should like, he should spontaneously offer it and then be like, <laughs> why did I do that? Oh, jeez, gone too far. So, um, so maybe like a new opportunity comes up in work and he's like, oh, that's, I totally can do that. And obviously you can't do it at all. Yeah, yeah. I have a programming past. Do you? That, but that's just a real line. It's boring. Um, a real line? Yeah, people tell that lie all the time. You, you've got a programming past. It's actually true for I do you. on paper. <laughs> on paper, it's fantastic. Um, um, yeah. Okay, so we seem to be gliding towards the workplace thing. I yeah. think he should work somewhere rather than, because that kind of stodgy office mm-hmm kind of exists but mostly it isn't that anymore mostly certainly in America it's it's mostly kind of relatively trendy kind of the company trying to be a cool place not, yeah but still like ultimately creating a, way, a cubicle based boring environment I mean I've yeah. seen a lot of offices today that at least even on the Docklands yeah sure you get the occasional Google like ah uh, well we can't do it here yeah. I mean as, as in like Ireland no, there's I'm not no cool jobs from what I've seen from office spaces it's still pretty dank no I've, I've been to some startups. Um, sure, there's no harsh edges. They've foamed everything over, but it's... I, I think it's different in America. I honestly think the, the workplace culture has completely changed and everyone is much more infantilized and much more like chatty and chill and at least on the surface, but freaking out underneath. Okay, okay. fair enough then. Let's go Silicon Valley style then. But not, Bean not, bags, not that, glass, Maybe like yeah. a step away from that. So an ordinary company, which is trying to be a little bit like that yeah. in a kind of a pathetic way, yeah. not like this is totally drone city and we've hung a doily from this. That's a weird example. And we've got a pinata. Not yeah. that, but like it's fake trendy. Yeah. But kind of sad. Yeah. Um, I wonder what the lie could be. What the which? I wonder what the lie could be. We oh. can't go so social comedy that's a gender lie, like what the gender is, who they are. Could we? It's too extreme. What about... Oh, no, no, you, you hit on something there. Mm-hmm. So, I, like, if, you, if his lie is something about himself, that's too big. Yeah. But if he lies about, let's say, having a trans friend yes. or having a black friend or something like that, notice how we're both white people and we're making, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's already become a white guy. Just like, whatever, let's just say it. Yeah, yeah. What if he, yeah, what if oh, he, we know what we are. What, what if he, yeah, what if he lies about having access to some yeah. um, new trendy group of people that, that, 
for some reason and why would he do that because it's like a diversity day in work or because it's like yes. maybe they're looking for staff they're looking for for new staff to balance out the gender or the ethnicity mm. or sexuality or whatever and he's like oh no i've got like a, a gay friend or whatever or i've got a trans friend mm-hmm. or no he says something like you know he was he's actually talking about this tv show he watched you know like transparent or something mm-hmm. and he's like yeah like and he says oh you and you seem to know about trans people and then he's like yeah no i have this friend oh well were they are looking for work because actually yeah, yeah. could straight away get, get invited out to hang out with the boss or whatever yeah um, and on the basis that he's now a little bit cooler because he has this like friend that will <laughs> will fit into the like the affirmative action program in the workplace or whatever yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, exactly. Even and bring your friend. Yeah, yeah. And then, we're looking oh, for two writers in this new business. She, she couldn't make it, but she will totally. Oh, okay. You know, and then we, <laughs> like because the thing about cop, even though advertising doesn't do this much anymore, but like looking for copywriters and writers, it's like I come with, we come as a pair. I know this girl. You know, she's kind of trans. She's kind of entering these new scenes. She's a blogger. It could be like that. I mean, he could have invented it or whatever, but. That's his referral, right? And the boss brings him out. As you said, she's not there that night. But it could be that they're brought in as writers because that actually happens a lot. Well, I, I think we should stick with that. He's already working there. Oh, okay. Because otherwise, that's a whole interview situation, a whole different thing. Oh, okay. Whereas, you know, if you, know if you establish the thing that he's there mm-hmm. and he's sort of it slips out that there's another... Do you know what I mean? Okay, so there's an empty... There's a vacancy then that they have to fill. And he right. says he knows it. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he suggests himself first of all. Yeah. And then... Doesn't he, work. He's like, oh, I didn't actually mean myself. I meant like this other person who's just like me, but that... I, you know. Yeah, and, it's like, and the boss could even be screwed. He's like, did you? Did you mean that? It's like, yeah, of course I meant. Oh, okay, I guess. We would dole down on that lie. You know, let's... Okay, let's bring her out. Like, what if, what if he's like... He's like looking... He's like stalking on Facebook or something and someone comes by and they're like, Who, who's that? Oh, that's my friend Trish. Or whatever. It'd be better if you immediately went to the Facebook and started looking for them, but that's too calculated. It is probably better if he lies on the go at first. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I'm thinking? Because part of me thought, that what could, if that could be how he initially does it? Like, yeah. oh, Trish, that's their, oh, uh, she's trans or whatever. I can keep going to trans. Yeah. But whatever it is. And oh, oh, really? Because we're actually looking for a new person to fill out our, uh, yeah. you know, and then spontaneous <laughs> white lies almost. I like this, that it starts off yeah. spontaneous, that it's not too calculated. But then he gets all these benefits from it. Yeah. And he like he he starts to be like a little bit cooler in the workplace because yeah. like oh you know this person from whatever out group yeah oh cool why don't you come out with I've got this other friend we're we're actually going to this party and yeah. it's like you know diverse party and this dude is like yeah cool and, and he's there sort of on his own without or maybe he like hires someone that's yeah, a, I was thinking I actually like maybe he hires an escort or prostitute because not even I like, think he should try and fail yeah because it's such a cliche that like like you know the person comes on with the what if he like tries to do it and then. You know, it just doesn't work. Or it, it doesn't work at first. And then when he's at the party, he, because the party's so big and he's got lots of people at it, he sees the kind of woman he's looking for. He knows the woman who's brought him to the party is looking at him. So he deliberately kind of butts, butts himself near her. Something as simple as that. Like, hey, I'm talking to her. Oh, so that's the second lie. Yeah. And they, they then become the friend. Then he has friend. to make her his friend. Right, so he quickly right. Facebooks her as he gets home. They become friends. And he starts immediately IMing her too much. And she thinks it's like sexual interest. For him, it's like, yeah, it's a little bit that. But mostly it's, I need you for it. He won't say that, but that's his main motivation. Okay. This is where Bill's. So, um, what, what do you think is, I mean, no, this is stupid, but what should his company do? What's their, should it be something completely mundane or something like? Yeah, like what do they produce? Do, do we need to define what the company does? Can we just define their atmosphere, their office, their office space and their, their type of minimalist design? Or okay, we well, that's the thing in itself then, because yeah. then all of their office talk has to be like meaningless office-y clunk but talk. Ha- but they have a, they have a playroom. <laughs> They definitely, they, have have a a pl- they definitely have a playroom yeah. that no one ever uses. It's a playroom, it's a beanbag room. But if you're caught in there, God forbid. There's, okay. a, there's a beer fridge, but don't take too many. <laughs> you know how it is. Well, that's good. That's a nice callback to the madman scene with the guy pissing himself in the office. What's the modern equivalent to that? It's like 
drinking the beer too early in the day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We were talking to a friend of ours recently about you knew people in Google where this kind of thing happened. Really? They're, yeah. they're kind of spotted having a drink and it's Because like, obviously you're saying nothing about what Google does. I'm just saying in terms of what was happening in this small hierarchical We love Google. Thing. We would never criticize Google. I would Google. never criticize. It's just a, a whole other voice actually cuts in. <laughs> Google. Yeah. Um, but the guy was taking beers a bit too early and he had more than two. You like, know, can I make an aside? Yeah. I had... Of course you can. Until very recently, a really, really good friend. Oh. <laughs> and now Look, I don't have any. I don't hate you that much. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, he, he worked for Google. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, in I America. Still patch things up. What are you going to do, man? Tried. Ring him. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> I, went, I went to the States um, mm-hmm. uh, re- like a few months ago. Yeah. Stayed with this friend and uh, went to Google with him a few times for lunches. But I always feel, I don't know if you get this feeling, when I'm in a situation like that, I feel like this like... I feel like a, an adult at a kid's birthday party. Like, okay. Like, yeah, I'm, yeah. like I'm huge and, and no, that's the wrong way to, maybe a child at an adult's party. You yeah. know, like I'm annoying and I'm, I'm loud and everyone can tell that I don't, I'm not the kind of person that would work there and I don't look right. See, I'm, that's what I feel. Yeah. Everywhere. And also because <laughs> I'm the kind of person I am, I also like go back for eight, eight, eight dinners because it's like free to, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the free and lunch. then everyone's watching like, did you have a second? Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And I, and okay, so the, the long and short of it is, you know, and my friend stopped talking to me after I, I came back from the States. And part of, I have literally no idea why. We're really good friends for, for like many, many years. You'll patch, you'll patch it up. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay, um, go on. Dead to me. Um, yeah. But like, I don't know why at all. And nothing big happened. So and part of me thinks like, did I just act too like uh, de classe in Google? Was I a little bit too like kind of uncouth, you know? Did I make a show of myself, as we say in Ireland, in in my visit to Google? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, could it be something as stupid as that, but also as profound yeah. as You're that? acting like a Gavone Italian and not a classy <laughs> Italian, that kind of thing. Like, were you underclassing it a bit? Yeah, de classe, very good. I don't know. I, I would say that's not probably at all what probably were the reasons. Not, probably yeah. not. But, but it feeds into this. Yes, it does. Because... Out of place. Yeah. This guy's out of place. Out of place. He's out of place. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, the higher he gets or the more opportunities he gets, he should have that thing of doing not the stupid broad things people do in sitcoms, but like little things like, you know, taking an extra plate of food. Yes. At the free buffet. Um, And you make it very subtle in the shots as well. Just quick cutaways to someone looking at him. You know, let's stick to our 70s design here. Yeah. Or or like or, or hitting on someone. Yes. But, or but, maybe not even hating on someone. We'll leave that open to interpretation. Just talking to her in such a way as to be playful, which you can assume if you want is hitting, he might have m- yeah. multiple intentions. And just who's being like a, human. a little bit too attractive or a little yeah. bit too young for him. And he stepped up. So he's stepping up a bit too much. It's like, hey, yeah. you know, come on. Yeah. Because um, this is, I think, already all about uh, social status. The reasons and the ways in which people really behave in groups. Mm-hmm. And that's a rich mine. That like the little cruelties and the little status games. Mm-hmm. The little you know, rewards, the micro revolutions. And, and how, yeah. how everything's fine until that person who isn't quite right. Why aren't they doing that thing? Oh, they shouldn't be doing yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. And those things them. used to be, you know, oh, they're black or they're gay or whatever. And now they're, um, they're overweight or they're, you know, uh, ugly or they're too old. Yeah. Or they're too in America. It's a consistent. Too poor. Uh, yeah, it's it's back to tribal tribal style othering and, and how that still exists in these in many ways. Um, yeah. But it's also much more deep than that and how it's evolved. It's it's become a cultural thing. It's a so cultural demand. I think our person should be like balding. Balding. Not, balding. not particularly attractive. Yeah. We, definitely starts off as someone appealing to the audience because we're following him, but. Um, okay, so that's uh, yeah. I think we can do that outside of work. Like his, the opening thing could be him at home with his cat or whatever it is. Definitely cats. Being being lovely, 
and likable mm -hmm. and then his kind of nastiness would only emerge later or his yeah. embitteredness yeah, yeah. but initially we have to be on side because that gives it kind of like it gives him a little bit of an underdog kind of a thing I'm just thinking of how crazy you want the lies to get especially when you involve cats oh yeah well, fire away yeah. no just later on like where one of the cats even dies but at this stage he's got himself a girlfriend so he lies about where the cat is but the cat's actually right under the bed dead and he doesn't want to he can't get it out of the just some crazy situation like that that's not explicitly done so much as it's this horrible truth that sits in the scene this is how bad the lies are now getting similar to how Peep Show tried to also show lies do you remember that yeah that they would there is a dead cat in this bag, but we're not going to talk about a dead dog, actually. <laughs> yeah, and then they have to eat the dog. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Spoilers. But it's amazing, that great evolving show. of a lie. Um, it was a great show. Yeah. It was. Yeah. But it went down. Uh, okay, so yeah, I think an hour is a good duration for that. So we have 15 minutes for mm -hmm. this podcast. We have 15 minutes left. Mm -hmm. Not for the movie. That would be a very short film. Too yeah, short, yeah. I think. Um, so we've already got a, a sort of a broad arc, a kind of a rough idea of a character, a rough idea of a setting. Um, what else do we need? We need other characters. So who is in this person's life? Why is he alienated? Is he alienated just because he is a little goofy looking? Or what, what, is there something else that I think it's, it's, it has to be multiplicity. Yeah. Not to take that word, but multiple things. Lots of small things. Yeah, it's not just that he's a bit goofy looking because that can even be accepted too. It's that everything he's doing is just too off key. It's yeah. not playing the kind of melodic sequence homophilized or homophily to what they want. Homophilized isn't a word. But you're not playing to their tone. That's why going to the water cooler and talking to the girl that yeah. time. What are you doing? Because up to this point, there's been a behavioral secret, not vocalized, because it's not something you, that's in language, but there's been an understanding behaviorally of all of us not to approach her at this time at that water cooler. And you can establish that in a scene very easily for a human yeah. being, because most human beings don't need to say it out loud. It's just you feel it. You understand by the tonality. I like that. I think the, there's a great potential there for a scene where he does that. Mm -hmm. And maybe maybe the reason he does it is because at the dinner party or whatever the night before, they had this moment of contact where everybody was together or he was involved. And she was actually gregarious yeah. and nice with them. And then the next day he tries to follow it up and it's a little bit like... It's worse than that. He's doing it inside the office at this particular time. I think it should be a contextual thing. Like You can't be doing it now. Haven't you taken part in the, in the great splitting that mankind is going through? You're aware of the schizophrenic differences. Um, okay, cool. Um, what else do we need? What are the core things? So we need other characters. So who who are his peeps? Is I like that you know that bowling alone idea that most people, um, especially in the states, but most most men certainly in the thirties and older don't have any friends. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I like the idea that he doesn't because you know all these movies they always have you know the the, the other goofy friend, mm -hmm. and I like the idea that he doesn't have any friends because that makes him both sad but also kind of even to the audience kind of worrying I was going to say that dangerous dangerous, dangerous. yeah, yeah. Um, because in some way we're all aware that uh, our social circle the, the nodes we're connected to of people are what keeps us a little bit at bay or restrain yeah. some of our worst nature that's that's cool so so but he does have to have people in his life and I think I like the idea that he's knock me out of the if you don't like this but it, what if like he is lonely and yeah. in his loneliness he's attempting to pull people in in ways that are a little bit too much so like he has the bants with his UPS guy or whatever and maybe he's not asking him for coffee but it's going on a little bit much you know yes. like he's he's oh we had we had the fun that time so now we're kind of friends you know like um, and every time the guy Steve comes back to the door he tries to talk to him too much yeah but listen though that level of over attaching or at least over investing too early is what we can definitely carry across in the initial stages of our character building where he while lying and the lies get more complicated people are loving the lie side yeah, yeah. but his real self is stretching through to reach out and that reaching out is sick it's too cloying because he hasn't yet he's never socially developed himself enough to do it so that should die away that mm. should start off beautiful and kind of sad and very kind of you know sympathetic yeah sympathetic yeah. and then start to die away because the tr that's what we're trying to say here the, the lying self is going to get rewarded yeah. more and more and more and, and, and the things that kept him isolated initially will emerge later when he's around people so initially he's going to seem 
lovely and sympathetic and whatever and but then when he becomes more socially successful those things that really made him that that isolated mm -hmm. the, the cruelty or whatever it is the bigotry or, or you know not in an exaggerated way but the little things that made him awful or maybe just being alone th those things will, will show through in a more kind of way and that's the tragedy oh, yeah. this, is, this is beautiful I want to yeah. this movie absolutely let's get right <laughs> let's quit the shit out and write it yeah <laughs> okay um, but he does have to have I think maybe like a mother or um, a father or a br what about an older brother who's more successful? I'm thinking of Better Call Saul. <laughs> Does that's, he have a... It's a huge part of that show is the dyadic between the, the older brother and the younger brother. Oh, really? It's in fact, it's, it gets really good and it's fundamental to it. Yeah. Well, I can say I'm not cribbing because I've only seen one episode of that show. Yeah, you, I think, like where that goes. I think you'd like it a lot far it better than too similar. Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would. I did like, I really liked the tone of the one episode I watched. It was so unexpectedly strange and mm -hmm. different from, from yeah. Breaking Bad. Completely, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe not an older it could be an older brother but the, what we should establish with this should we go for Will Arnett for this is, is he available <laughs> Will Arnett again can you call his no, people ever since I saw Flaked I've given up on him have you seen Flaked yeah, you know I, I have uh, I gave it some time I think I like that show for the wrong reasons okay what are the wrong reasons I mean it's a little bit wish fulfillment isn't it yeah, hugely. Even the part where he's an addict, but he's a fun addict. Hugely, yeah, it is. Yeah. And it, where, the end where they're like, oh, he's revealed to be whatever. He still has a brilliant life where yeah. he's got he's this awesome. bombshell he's got this free girlfriend. Space he doesn't pay for. He lives in Venice. And, yeah, Get no, out of it. He cycles with his mates every morning. His like, complete man baby yeah. like friends that you'd expect to live there. I do like that show. Yeah. I mean, it's funny the things that appeal to you. I think there should, they shouldn't be just bleak because that's very European. There should be something appealing <laughs> about it. <laughs> yeah man it's European Scandinavian comedy and Central European comedy can often be very 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 heartlessly bleak yeah and I think there, you need to have a little bit more humanity because mm -hmm. life isn't only bleak yeah um, there are so, surges and uprises yeah. so this guy he, I think he should have some kind of hobby which involves him with people he's just not close to them and it should be a bit sad yeah. so something like cosplay I was or thinking improv D &D. or some shit like that improv yeah. fuck you I yeah. do improv we all know what that bullshit is oh, that, that got covered by dick. Bojack Horseman tried to cover that terribly as it's going cult and that was meant to be the joke and that was awful oh you're such an asshole yeah improv or some shit like okay, that okay improv it is um, yeah because that's like you'd think that would make him cool but like we can play up the like lameness of it not speaking to Cat's group, by the way, you guys are awesome, but just want to say, I just want to say, this is your hidden resentment of making it. This is not a hidden resentment. It's, I feel, it's very obvious. I went resentment. through two years of stage tour school. I'm aware of what I'm aware of how there's always James, the guy on the outside. This is just, this can't go on. Sorry. I'm <laughs> going over, to get a yeah. different sycophant. This is awful improv you're doing, by the way. Um, <laughs> no, I was just wanted, to, you know what I'm getting at, which is there's always a circle group. It can be a drama group, whatever. It just, it, that involves intimacy. And there's always those five or six that just yeah, can't that, do it. That gets you a whole other side to his life and stuff. Yeah. Outside of work, which is both richer, but also kind of emptier. And other people we can bring in. I really, really like that. Um, oh, that's my phone. Um, okay, that's that's great. Okay. Um, I think you should also use like, like ineffectually use dating sites. Yeah. There's something else to that though. Maybe not a, like... Maybe he has a thing that he does, like he tries to use some other kind of site as a dating site, or he's, I don't know, something that's a little bit, like, again, it's a little bit off. I mean, or it starts off too honest, but like his weirdness, right? But then he updates it over time. Oh, his dating profile? Yeah, he's updating it to be yeah. more and more bravado-esque, and he thinks representative of who he is, but still just the lie. I like the, I like a scene where um, 
he's like focusing on getting the perfect picture of his dating profile and like taking selfies, like awkwardly positioning camera and fake doing an activity. Yeah, is that and, a, has that been in a movie before? No, uh, no but not quite. But, this, but I like the idea of constantly shifting it. And even he has a great shot of himself at a particular famous location, maybe even in New York, yeah. you know, up near the tree. And it's like too many homeless people behind me. Just got to slightly shift it, and then just just that idea that yes. he's shifting to remove reality to get just the right shot. Yeah, and and never stated like just visually. No, no, you never actually say that. Yeah, you just have him do it. Oh, that's great. And can we have a scene where um he like sees or meets someone like a little bit famous, and then like goes up and gets selfie with them, and all of the aw- like nothing bad happens, but just all of the awkwardness and inappropriateness yeah, of that. Yeah. Yeah, but it doesn't matter because we should probably transition from that shot to the next shot, which is actually it pulling out from the phone, showing the girl, whoever in the office, a bunch of people in the office. And now they're just seeing the happy version. We just saw the setup being horrible and awkward and excruciating. Great. But it doesn't matter what the setup is anymore, does it? It just matters (laughs) if the shot's good. (laughs) Okay. um, Yeah. So, so did we, we didn't, we didn't pick on the kind of person that he brings in for this. So should it be, I guess, like if it is America, like it doesn't have to be American, but if it is America uh, that we set it in, uh, like uh, like a a black colleague or whatever, we could go that way. But it's it's not really other enough. But then I feel like some like a trans person is probably too tr- like a trendy kind of mm-hmm. using mm-hmm. using this character as like a trendy thing. Um, I mean, I don't know. What do you think? What's what's the it right kind of other one. person? I, I think it's because, and that's why I tried to make out about writers or something else. It's just the person he needs to be bringing in. It's not just that they're trans or a woman or a woman who's not particularly picked a gender. And that's all, you know, fine for office spaces anyway. Like a lot of them are trying to adapt to that. It's more that, yes, they're that because they need that for the quota, but also they should have a particular speciality of a job. The job itself is also kind of hard to get. And I'm sure, you know, obviously feminist blog is quite easy to get but something like that though that's unique and to that workspace okay well what if they're like a graphic designer or something like yes, that there so we like go. high status cool job you know, never. We're, we're, and we're looking more for the, a slightly more wide demographic George so if you could look and we and they need to be you know we got to be real careful not to go office space with the whole yeah, yeah. if you kind of well stay, this is you know. me saying it to the this awful podcast it's not me actually, well, our how dialogue, dare you insult our, pod, our, our podcast our film will be so you have to do so much editing on this yeah um. no do no editing Let's just throw it out. Let's put it out raw. Um, raw dog. Raw dog. Of course, <laughs> you went there. Yeah. Um, oh, I listen to bad radio. It's not my. I like all of this, but we haven't. Yeah, we haven't decided what kind of person he brings in. With the the job is one thing, but I do. I like. I like. I know people are gonna hurt. I do, I like the idea of being a trans person, just because it's really hard. If you were like. If you had to now tonight or this week go and find a trans graphic designer, mm-hmm. like that's gonna be really hard in Ireland, yeah, yeah, or anywhere because mm-hmm. it's just like you're, you know, it's a subgroup of a subgroup. Yeah, There's yeah. not that many people. Absolutely. And and also it's like if you're lonely dude who is a little bit older than whatever, then you're not gonna know. You have no appeal as well. You also don't have the hook. You're right. Not the hook. You so you haven't met in. those people in college, and you have you're not gonna. So that's gonna be hard for you. And also you're gonna have to like front as something else in order to. So maybe we we'll stick with that for now. I don't know if it's yeah. Like, I think it's great. I think, I think okay, okay. you can work with that. only because the speciality was added on that I said that, as you said a subgroup of subgroup. Right. It's something more special and hard to get. Or and an then, engineer or something like yeah, that. Yeah, engineer even. Yeah. Um, cool. Okay. And by the way, this person he brings in should be you know obviously at times malicious and a human being, but I think we should probably make it so that you know the person's not awful. No, just, of course yeah, not. No, no they're, yeah. they're, I mean they're they're going to be uh, just someone taking advantage of this nice referral another human in this thing that maybe what's it what we could do with interesting about that is that they are made feel awkward by the fact that he is using them but yeah. they don't quite know where he fits in the whole office world and so they're kind of playing along with it kind of creeped out by it but yeah yeah, yeah. 
and I think maybe they should date at some point um, or like what if they both awkwardly put themselves into a position where they have to go on a date they have to go on like, a date now yeah the, the person he brings in thinks that he's doing it for like that reason yeah. and he thinks like he should do it because they seem to want that and it's like fuck like this person has to off oh, this couple they can't one. like mm. I, I like something like that I don't want to go too I don't think that it would the be the, person, uh, the, 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 the transgender person who comes in I don't think it's that they're necessarily that interested in him I don't think they should be in that sexual mm-hmm. way at all I think what happens is they no, get not at all. they should be brought in in a situation where they think I'm just getting a referral this is great and then when they find out that they're in part of some sort of an awkward lie not ever really explicitly stated they're, you can see even their face as well they have to go along with some of his requirements and one of them is like oh we kind of need to date because he thinks he sort of needs to date this person as well because remember he was spotted at this party with <laughs> this girl so he has to double down himself and the both yeah, of them yeah, are now. Some, someone could say, oh, because were you guys seeing you? Oh, not really. We're not really. Oh, so you just like. And then she's like, oh, I need this job. Sure. But I think that that person should be put in an awkward position where. Yeah, um, definitely. They realize from the questions they're getting from this, whoever the authority is or the supervisor. Say, oh, wait, I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be uh, with this guy because yeah. I want this job. Yeah. Because, of course, there's obviously very little jobs out for this person. Mm-hmm. That should be great. Yeah. Oh my goodness! This is yeah. this is already like an awkward film that I would at least watch for ten minutes on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, which is exactly, and then tell friends I've watched it as well for the trendy <laughs> points. So yeah, it's great. Um, cool, cool. Okay, I think we've we've got a lot done. Um, couple more minutes left. Um, I think we need to have like a thing that we do in the show each week, aside from the main idea of the show. What what about at the very end of our thing about making a movie? Yeah. We come up with another movie, yeah. but we've got like a really short period, like a, like a couple of minutes to yeah. come up with a movie. Okay, let's do that. Movie within a movie. So, a movie within a movie. Just a quick, dumb movie. You go this time, because I, I kind of credit your other ones. Okay, okay. Uh, character is... Um, uh, what, what's, a, what's, a, what's a unique character? Um, uh, it doesn't have to be unique. Oh, okay, okay. Spitball. Okay, uh, um, okay uh, uh, um, a girl who has... One hand, <laughs> which, Mrs. JCB, which is twice as large as her other hand, <laughs> and that's just her thing. And the movie is okay. not about that at all. That's it's about quirky comedy. <laughs> oh, it's not about that. It's actually about a bank robbery. <laughs> it's about a bank robbery. Yeah, and she gets shot in, in the her, bank robbery in her massive hand. No, no, it shouldn't be. But it's misreported that it's in her big hand, or and people are like assuming that it, oh, your hand is super big. Yeah, is that yeah, because of the robbery. Oh my god, you're so brave. Yeah. And that's not what this is just another misunderstanding comedy. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, and misunderstanding. She, she then becomes um a celebrated TV interviewee on all of the talk TV but shows. Essentially a PT Barnum freak in the sense that we don't think that way about them, but that's how they're used. She's exactly the opposite of Jeremy Beadle. She yeah. hides her big hand <laughs> while she's being interviewed. <laughs> um, but like the whole point of the interview is that they can't yeah. really ask her to show the big hand, so they just show a picture. And, yeah. and then she, they made it really big in the picture because it's all you know, from perspective. What's the journey for her though? Just into the celebrity dome that only celebrates the hand? I think that maybe and then she, the she cuts she's it off. just about to get plastic free. surgery to remove her big hand at the beginning. But then gets all this tension then, at the end. You and, know, realizes, yeah. and people are like, you know, all these groups are like, you got to keep your big hand because you're going to represent for people who are different. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, oh no, I got to keep the big hand. And someone starts dating this like super handsome guy and he's like, you know, I think your struggle with your... Uh, your difference <laughs> so she's like stuck with this comically big I think it's <laughs> can't I, open her door I think this is just a straight comedy that's all it should be yeah it's definitely not anything else it's a straight comedy uh, brilliant it's called Hands Up <laughs> it's better than my idea Big Hand that's what I was going to call it Big Hand <laughs>
<laughs> Little <Yeah>. big hand. <laughs> but hands up, hands up, because you got the robbery with the hands up. You get high um, five. Yeah, it's something awful like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it should star. What's that like, Daria-like actress from Parks and Rec? It was like one emotion. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Daria because I always think of the cartoon as well. Um, I don't know. Oh, you know the girl. She's like attractive, but like in a non-attractive. I know way. she's an episode of Marin, but I can't remember her name. Is she? Yeah. And he's sort of into her. I think that's the idea. That's every episode. You sort of Marin, he's sort of. Marin is into a girl. <laughs> How dare you insult Marin? <laughs> he's the most real man around. Yeah. In that he's in that he's being really a real man is a performance and he's great at it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. That's our that's our show. That's our I hope you like it. We'll we'll do this again. I think at least once. Yeah, at least once. Possibly more. Yeah, till yeah. the movie is finished. Yeah. I think honestly. If you put aside the idea of like this is the thing that you're going to make, mm-hmm. it's just like this is a project and let's yes. just get it done. Yeah, yeah. And we have a goal at the end of each episode. Mm-hmm. So like we got a rough premise and stuff. So this next episode, we can could, we could build out the whole story. So we got start to finish of the story. That's a good idea. You, uh, or even just a series of beats in the movie. One or the other or both. When, when we're both drinking um, iced margaritas on our super yacht uh-huh. in mega Hollywood. Uh-huh. And I like uh, uh, <laughs> Mega Donald Glover's landing in his helicopter on our super yacht because he's yeah. going to be in our new movie. Yeah, our new little chic video that we're just going to throw on in the yacht. We're the new Danielsons. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Is that what they're called, the Danielsons? I I just like that you call them the Danielsons. I I am um, <laughs> the Daniels. The Daniels. The Danielsons. You know the guys. The guys yeah. who made uh, Swiss Army Man. Yeah, I know. Did that movie do well? It mm-hmm. can't have. It I was great so. though. Mm. It gave it a really good review. Oh, I didn't um, know you reviewed it. Did you yes, review it? Did, yeah. It's my best reviewed movie this year. What I do movie reviews for the website nomoreworkhorse.com. That's nomoreworkhorse.com. <laughs> 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 <laughs>